0: Reader's Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Booklights, where we're shining a light on good books.
1: Hey, everyone. It's the last Monday of 2020. Can you believe it? We made it. Oh, 2021 is right around the corner, and hopefully it's going to be tons better. I'm knocking on wood, everyone. And today we are closing out the year with author Mark Leslie. And he's here from Canada, so I'm really excited for you guys to meet him. If you haven't read his work yet, you're in for a treat, and I'll read his bio here so you can get to know him. Mark Leslie would be the first person to admit that he's still afraid of the monster under his bed. Proudly adopting the term book nerd for himself, Mark is a writer, editor, and bookseller and is most comfortable with a pen in his hand, fingers on the keyboard, or his nose stuck in a book. His first book, One Hand Screaming, collected most previously published short stories and poetry, along with a few original tales. And his other fiction includes Eye Death, Evasion, and A Canadian Werewolf in New York, which I, of course we need to talk about, right? Because I write werewolves. Anyway, Mark's dark fiction is often compared to Twilight Zone or Black Mirror in terms of style, exploring what-if themes. With contemporary settings that include speculative elements, gently skipping around the genres of sci-fi, horror, and urban fantasy. He's also the editor of science fiction anthologies and a horror anthology, which we're going to talk about today, Obsessions. He is born in San Sa- sudbury ontario i can read mark has courted with a serious addiction to reading and writing his entire life he's called both ottawa and hamilton home for those are both in ontario for a decade each and currently lives in waterloo ontario you can learn more about him on his website i did put a link right there on blog talk so you can click that anytime and go check out his website he's got so much information there and we'll talk about it a little bit more so don't want to delay any longer are you there mark
0: oh i am here thank you so much for having me on lisa
1: yeah thanks for being here all the way up in canada i bet it's freezing there right now
0: you know what it was but we actually got rain over Well, okay it's snowy now that i look out the window but yeah we, you, if you turn <laughs> around it's going to change again
1: <laughs> okay so you're not like in the frozen tundra of canada
0: uh, no, we uh, we're in a in a snow belt, so we weekly get some snow, but not nearly as much as I you know Sudbury, Ontario, which is about another four hours north from where I am. They get a real winter, you know, real winter okay. from you know November all the way through till April
1: yeah I had some an author from Calgary I think who was on and they were like you just stay inside
0: (laughs) oh yeah yeah Calgary gets a real real winter (laughs) like real too.
1: yes like Santa winter (laughs) so you have an anthology and you told me before the show started that it's on sale do you want to tell everybody why they should go grab obsessions right now
0: Yeah, sure. So Obsessions is, it's an anthology of original stories. So it's a a crossover between contemporary fiction, some mystery, some science fiction, some um, horror, and it's uh, on the theme of obsessions. So the things that people get obsessed with. And I have all original stories, uh, including New York Times bestselling author's Christine Catherine Rush and Dean Wesley Smith, who I was honored enough, oh. that they wrote original stories for this anthology, and it's regularly six ninety nine US in ebook form. Now it's all it's available in trade paperback and hardcover as well, but for Boxing Week, which is a thing here in Canada and in the UK, um, for <laughs> Boxing Week through the, the beginning of January, uh, it's ninety nine cents temporarily, so you can get three hundred pages of sixteen original stories by some brilliant writers that. Really, um, obviously explore different versions of obsession. Some of them are sick and twisted. Some of them are uh, cute. Some of them are sad. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, it, it's, a an anthology I'm really proud of because I, I read over a million and a half different words to select the stories for the anthology. Wow. So it was kind of like the, the best of the best that made it in here.
1: Very cool. And did you come up with the theme or did the publisher, how'd you guys come up with obsession?
0: Uh, I actually ended up publishing this. I was uh, working with a publisher at at anthology workshops and uh, we would come up, uh, there'd be six different editors and we, it it was this really great interactive panel where each editor comes up with a theme and, uh, and then the writers write to that theme and it's usually limited to about 75 uh, writers or so that you have pretty top notch writers that have to actually audition to get in (laughs) to the, to the class. Right. And, um, and and so that's those are the themes of the the last several four or five anthologies I'd edited, and then with this one, uh, just just around the early uh, time when COVID hit, the publisher uh, had to change their business uh, and was not going to be able to publish it. It was supposed to come out in the fall of uh, 2020, and they contacted me and said, you know, we're so sorry, um, we, we can't end up publishing this anthology. And so I took it upon myself to uh, I I. I got a kickstarter together so i could pay the authors the the professional six cents a word that they were planning on receiving <laughs> and i, right. I talked to them and said hey listen bad news publisher can't do it good news i have two cents a word you know put put aside in my savings <laughs> that i can pay you with oh. but i want to get to six who's in and so most of the authors uh stayed In which case, I had to go and and find a few other stories to to fit in with the anthology. But um, most of the authors stuck it. I believed in it, and um, and I was I managed to raise the funds, uh, raised over twelve thousand dollars Canadian, uh, which would be like 10,000. US, so I could pay them uh, for rights. And um, also, uh, this is a royalty share. Now, most times when you're in an anthology. you get paid up front, and then that's it. The publisher makes the money. Right. Uh, in this right. particular case, I'm using uh, Draft2 Digitals. Um, they, they have a new payment splitting program where I can ensure that each author gets a cut of every paper book and ebook sale as well. So um, I wanted to kind I of push the boundaries of publishing. I, I kind of like. Uh, you know, being as generous as possible with, uh, with the writers. So yeah, it, it's an anthology. I, I did not expect at the beginning of the year to be publishing. It is an anthology. <laughs> I am so proud. So proud. Uh, there, there, there's, a, there's a story in here that almost everyone who's read it, like they, they weep at the end of the story in, in in a, in a, in a very good, heartwarming way. But it's one of it's when you have stories like that in an anthology where people uh, are affected by the story and the characters are real and the struggles the characters go through really make someone think Uh, that's just, that's such a great honor as an editor that you got to help these writers get these stories out into the world.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And I love that you believed in it so much that you kept it alive even after 2020 happened
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's just say it was an obsession of mine to see this uh, to see this anthology uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> see the light of day
1: <laughs> I love it and I hope everyone who's listening will run out and grab it and if you get it this week it's only 99 cents and if you love those stories and they make you cry please leave reviews because it really does help more readers find the book and it. Amazon likes that in their algorithm. So anyway, even short reviews totally help.
0: (laughs) Yeah, even a simple honest one line. Yeah, thank you, Lisa. Mm -hmm. That is so true.
1: Yeah, it's very true. And I teased it when I was reading your bio there, but you want to tell everybody about the Canadian werewolves? I can't wait.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, Canadian Werewolf in New York uh, was a novel that was uh, first released in 2016. I re-released it last year with a proper cover. Um, and it was based on a 10,000-word a short story. I, I was writing for an anthology, a themed anthology on um, like kind of like behind the monster, the, the, the person behind the monster. And so I wrote this 10,000-word story about a guy who wakes up naked in Battery Park in New York with a bullet hole in his leg. And he's kind of like, Oh God, what did I do last night? Because he turns into an actual wolf has no memory of his wolf time and he's naked. He's got to find his way home. Like, how am I going to get clothes and solve the mystery? So it was meant to just be a short look at the side effects of, of living with being a werewolf. But of course I couldn't resist. I grew up on Spider-Man and uh, mm-hmm. other Marvel characters like daredevil and Wolverine who had extra heightened senses. So, I, of course, had to have this guy have extra senses and powers and use these powers for good. So um, as he's trying to figure out his struggle, he's also helping people the way a superhero would help. And, uh, and a good friend of mine, uh, Sean Costello, who's a brilliant thriller writer, uh, Sean read the short story, uh, and, and it, it kind of ends and it sort of leaves, leaves some open endings, but it's supposed to end there. It's just like short stories, just a cute little thing. He you know, he, he meets the little destination that's in, intended for the short story, and it's done. And he goes, "Well, what happens next? The rest of his day, what happens?" And I was like, "Nothing. That's <laughs> it." But he kept he kept bugging me, so so it's kind of like the the novel is a full day in his life. He ends up going on a David Letterman show. Um, that's uh, um, and and the whole thing takes place during uh, daylight hours, so you never see him as a wolf. You only see him as a man dealing with the side effects of of being a wolf in his. <laughs> Uh, you know, when the wolf aftermath, uh, basically. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so that was a fun, it's like dark, humorous, uh, superhero uh, adventure. I had a lot of fun with the David Letterman bit uh, as well. Um, and then, and then there's a final confrontation that actually happens backstage while Letterman's being recorded between him and the main bad guy. So, uh, which is another wolf creeping up on this territory. Um, and so that was um, yeah that was that was a lot of fun I had I had a really really good time with it and I really have a good time exploring the well I get to, I get to play in, in Spider Man style territory right so growing up on on those comic books and and uh, you know the methodology of with great power comes great responsibility so obviously my my main character right. Michael Andrews is very much very much um, uh, a, not a, a, not a victim to that. But he cannot help but want to use his powers to help other people, and obviously keep his his affliction um, uh, from being known because he doesn't want to be captured and studied by the government or whatever the, whatever would happen. Right, or, right. Or, or and
1: and is he the same hero in all the books? Aren't there a few books now?
0: Yeah, yeah. So Stowaway, and novella, came out uh, last this year, uh, and Stowaway is basically about him going up to Stowe, Vermont, on a train. Uh, and it's kind of like I described it as uh, planes, trains, and automobiles meets Logan. Uh, he's he's oh, got a young girl it. that he's trying to protect, and and of course, based on the train leaving Manhattan and getting to Stowe, Vermont, on the cycle of the uh, you know cycle of the werewolf thing, the cycle of the month for him, he's going right. to turn into a wolf before the train reaches a destination. So there's always that tension. Uh, of that. And then and I've got um Fear and Longing in Los Angeles, uh, where he is in LA uh after his uh girlfriend dumps him and he's by himself. Uh so Fear and Longing obviously a play on uh on the Hunter Thompson uh <laughs> Fear and Loathing in right. Las Vegas. Um right. and, and so I'm having fun with that. Uh so so I kinda and, and again as you can tell with the Canadian Werewolf in New York, as I was riffing off of on American Werewolf in London, which did have dark right. humor in it uh as well. Yes. So yeah, it's, it's Michael Andrews. It's his. It's his first person narrative. Um, and there's only one story that I haven't yet released, which is how he meets this significant woman in his life. It's their It's their meet cute. And so Aww. half of that story is told from Gail's point of view for the very first time. So it was, it was really fun for me to take this character I love and see the world through her eyes, not through Michael's eyes. That was a really great exercise for me.
1: And will there be more books, or is this going to be the last one that comes out?
0: No, I have. um, Working with my editor, um, we've talked through quite a few things, and even in working on uh, Fear and Longing in Los Angeles, he helped me see some things I can plant. I've planted some things in book one. Uh, I'm going to be planting a few more things in book two, and then some of those elements will come out in the later books. No idea what they're going to be (laughs) at this point, but I can see. I really enjoy uh, the character, and, I, and uh, he's mostly going to maintain uh, his interactivity in in Manhattan. But uh, I couldn't help go to LA. I couldn't help. <laughs> I, I had been on a, on, a, on a visit to Los Angeles, and there were a few places I had visited. I just wanted to write about things set there. So I was like, "Yeah, oh, let's just do that. See what happens if I stick him in uh, in Los Angeles for a while."
1: Very cool. And do you go to New York a lot? So are you familiar with with setting it there
0: usually? Yeah, yeah, you know what? Uh in a normal year, a non-COVID year, I would be in New York uh twice a year on average. Um if if not more. Uh some years I've been there more. Well, sometimes I go and I'm only there for a day. <laughs> but uh but yeah, <laughs> haven't uh haven't been to New York this year uh and I'm hoping uh, it'd be nice to it'd be nice to return. I love the city. I, uh, I I wrote the short story after my very first visit to New York years and years ago. And I think I fell in love with it um, immediately. And, and every time I return to New York, I fall in love with a different neighborhood. Because it's not just oh, this mega cool. city. It's this right. so many different areas and fields uh, um, of neighborhoods that you really don't get until you spend time walking through them. And uh, I mean, my partner and I on one of our visits to New York ended up walking the equivalent of a marathon from uh, Hell's Kitchen, where we were staying in the hotel, uh, all the way down through Brooklyn, Uh, like walking across the bridge and then down in because we were on a brewery tour trying to get to as many oh, <laughs> uh-huh. as we could um, and, and again when I got back I was like oh okay so well, that was like 45 kilometers like that was a, we just did a marathon today and we drank a lot of beer too what a great way to see wow the city. good day <laughs> yeah <laughs> but,
1: oh, that's but a whole the new great thing about that call. is
0: that's you know, an amazing bar call but the co- cool thing <laughs> is is I'm also researching for the books right so you right. know going to the different locations those end up being seen places where Michael visits because I'm intimate. I've walked through there. I've sat there. Um, You know, I've eaten there. I've drank there so I can have him do these things because they're places that I already know intimately. And that's, that's one of the things I love because it is hard Um, Google maps. You can kind of plant yourself there and stand and turn around and hope that building's still there. But right. it's not always going to be there. But it's right.
1: so cool when you can go there. I always like to go to the settings where I'm setting books and series because then you can really see where might they work, where might they go if they go on a date. Or you know what things smell like when they walk down that street. And you can't you can't get that from Google. So I agree with you. It, yeah. it makes a huge difference.
0: No, exactly. It's like, what is it like uh, in Battery Park at 6 in the morning? You know, uh, right. when I when I first wrote the story, I actually had to rely on a writer who lived there, and he's like, "Hey, I've never been there at six in the morning. What's it like? Can <laughs> you describe <laughs> it to me?
1: Can you come <laughs> out at you know, six in the morning and tell somewhere. me?" <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, no, no. It's, it's it's somebody who's lived there their whole life. So I'm, I assume they must have been there at least at one point in time, at a certain time. <laughs> but <laughs> but that's important, right? Michael wakes up naked, yeah. you know, somewhere <laughs> after you know falling right. at the moon all night as a wolf. Usually in Central <laughs> Park. And and again, I it was so great this last scene uh, at the beginning of Stowaway which was, was crafted specifically. I remember Liz and I, you know, we spent almost an entire day exploring Central Park. And I was spending half the time making notes of, well, this could be a spot where he wakes up. <laughs> this could be a spot where he can right. hide his clothes. <laughs> like all of these right. different things. And it was like, because I'm going off, to you're not supposed to go off the, the paths and stuff like that, but I'm going off the path to go, will he be, you know, not visible if he, if he hides here to change? <laughs> so, right, uh, right. Yeah, it was a lot of, it's a lot of fun.
1: That's very cool. And I always ask when uh, authors come on the show, everybody's journey is so different. And it sounds like you've always been attracted to books, but you were actually a bookseller. When when did you decide to be a writer? What did your publishing journey look like?
0: Oh, wow. I think I, think I wanted to be a writer since I was a kid. Uh, it started with these, you know, I would play uh, with little Fisher-Price characters, you know, little finger puppet ones. And then as I got older, I got the more advanced ones with movable arms and legs. And I would and I would tell myself these stories, and that was playtime for me. And so when I discovered um, putting words down on paper and the fact that I could leave a story and walk away and someone else could read it and explore it, that was magic to me. And that's what a book is. And so right. I remember in the early days discovering this typewriter in my mom's closet uh, I think it was during March break in Northern Ontario. So, you know, if you're not going ice fishing or playing hockey, there's not much to do outside. Um, <laughs> so uh, I remember finding a typewriter and uncovering it. And I was like, whoa, and just hammering away, trying to write like whatever I could write. I spent the summer when I was 14 in the basement while my you know, friends were out I was vitamin D deficient. They were out in the sun, fun, having a good time. I was like pale, pale, pasty kid in the basement, hammering out this really horrible Conan the Barbarian uh, sort of fan fiction based on the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies at the time, uh, you know, <laughs> based on these Dungeons and Dragons adventures. And, and I was like, I'm, I'm going to be a novelist. And I, st- I think I got my first rejection uh, when I started sending short stories out when I was 15 and uh, oh, wow. slowly worked my way up uh you know selling a story for a payment in copy of the magazine and then five dollars and then eventually getting pro rates uh and that's where that's what led to the, the first book 2004 i'd had all of these stories published but they were only in in like small press magazines that no one ever really saw uh, right. and so that's when i collected them uh myself and said i'm gonna i'm gonna re-release these in a in an anthology, uh, or not an anthology, uh, because an anthology is other people's stories, but in a short story collection, Uh, and and that was kind of a start uh, for me. So, yeah, writing has always been uh, central to my life, and so I got into bookselling because it was, uh, I was looking at, uh, I wanted to get into journalism. My marks weren't high enough. I didn't get into any of the journalism programs I applied to, but I got into the English programs, and I'm like, okay, so degree in English, great. I uh, started working part time in a bookstore when I was in university, in my last year of university, and thought this is cool. I can be near books, even if I can't, right. you know, be a journalist. I can be near books, and maybe that'll keep me uh, inspired. Um, and and I stayed in bookselling. I worked in almost every aspect of the book industry. Uh, the only the only aspect of, of bookselling I haven't I haven't worked for a used bookstore. I haven't worked for um, a Christian bookstore, but I worked for you know, uh, independent, uh, big box, academic, uh, online bookstore, e-book stores, uh, distribution—like all the places. So I wow. really got to learn about the business. So even when I when I self-published that first book in 2004, or when uh, my very first traditionally published uh, book came out in 2000, was it 12? When I pitched that to a publisher, uh, I did them with business acumen, understanding like that side of the, right. of the industry? Like how is a publisher mm-hmm. going to acquire something or why is a customer going to want to buy this based on working in bookstores my whole life?
1: Right. Where will it be shelved? You knew all those
0: things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was, it was really beneficial for me to understand simple things like turnability of, uh, of books and whether or not that uh, you know, impacts their willingness to carry a book or not. Uh, little things like that were really, really helpful. Uh, things that I continue to do to help other other writers with, but I definitely leveraged it. Um, for myself, like with Haunted Hamilton, I remember I was at an industry event where I overheard the vice president of Dundurn, Canada's largest independent publisher, say, we've always wanted to publish a book of ghost stories about Hamilton, Ontario. And so I pitched them a book of ghost stories about Hamilton, Ontario, because, A, I knew they wanted to do, they've always wanted to do that. Right. And B, <laughs> uh, there were no books. Like, nobody had ever written a book about ghost stories about Hamilton. Wow. And there was a, a really great um, tour, tour group, uh, Haunted Hamilton and Ghost Walks, that uh, were doing Ghost Walks of Hamilton, because there were so many great stories. And I was like, well, there's a demand for yeah. it. Yeah. And the publisher wants to do it. Why don't I pitch that to them? And guess what? they sent a contract there. They said like, they, yeah, they said, Hey, send us the book and we'll get it in this fall's catalog. And I'm like, Oh God, I better write it now. Um, so I took a week (laughs) off work to, to write it, but that was, um, yeah. So next, uh, yeah, usually before I pitch, I usually plan something out a little bit better.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, we learn as we go. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So, I wanted to ask you because you're also on your website. You're a writer. You're an author, coach, a speaker, a book nerd. Um, do you? How do you? Um, do you wear different hats? Do you merge them all together? Do you? You know? How do you treat all these yeah. different sides of yourself? <laughs>
0: It's funny because that guy is all over the map, right? So Mark <laughs> Leslie is the name that I usually use for my writing. And most of my mm-hmm. true ghost stories, fiction, all of that is Mark Leslie. But because on in parallel, while Mark Leslie was honing his craft and just getting published, <laughs> this Mark Lefave guy, and nobody can ever spell or pronounce Lefave. My full name is Mark Leslie Lefave, Leslie being my middle name.
1: Um, oh, no I one can ever
0: spell or pronounce Lefave. But because if you look at the the word, you'll go, Ooh, what what's that? A uh, whole bunch of, sil- of syllables and consonants <laughs> that you don't pronounce. Um, and so but in in the uh, publishing and book selling, uh, you know, the business of writing and publishing, I was known as Mark Lefebvre. And so my I, it does cross over now because I actually have released a number of books for writers uh, under Mark Leslie Lefebvre, Um because I'm known as the, the guy, you know, I created. Uh, Kobo Writing Life for Kobo, which is their answer to Kindle Direct Publishing, like a direct publishing right. platform. You know, I work oh with draft Gosh. digital one of the uh, one of the world's best distributors. If you're looking for distribution of your ebook into different retailers and libraries, so so yeah, so very cool. I I tried to keep lefave out of it. Because no one could ever spell or pronounce it. <laughs> but ironically, this Lafave guy keeps sticking his big nose, and he has a big nose. He just keeps sticking his bald head and his big nose into all of my business.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's the business guy, and you are the creative.
0: Yeah, yeah, and so it's uh, it's it's fun. I, I it's always funny when I when I book an event or someone wants me to come speak i'm like both do you want me to be mark leslie the guy who writes true ghost stories the guy who writes fiction do you want me to be mark lafave the guy who talks about the business <laughs> or like just tell me what hat i should i should pack for this trip right <laughs> and sometimes they right. go Which a little is- bit of everything i'm like okay well oh yay surprised. all the hats <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: bring every hat <laughs> yeah i saw too that you have a podcast dark reflections do you um what do, you, do you gear that toward readers or writers or what, what's that it's all It's for about?
0: writers. Yeah, so it's, it's for writers because one of the things, uh, because I, uh, I cut my chops initially in traditional publishing, I got into self-publishing like 10 years before all the cool kids started doing it 2004. <laughs> and so I've known the industry for about 30 years or so. Uh, and I get really, really frustrated that traditional publishers just seem to have their their heads up their backsides and don 't really understand and appreciate ebook selling so my my traditional publishers are amazing at print but not so good at ebooks and i 'm right. equally frustrated that indie authors or self published authors know nothing about the business and and, and and don't even understand that other side. And, uh, and they're both huge sides to the business. And so Stark Reflections was my attempt to demonstrate the benefits of traditional publishing, the benefits of self-publishing, but also then the hiccups of traditional publishing and the hiccups of self-publishing, because there's no one right path for any author. And so right. the reason I call it Stark is Stark was the imprint I made up uh, back when I released One Hand Screaming, my best friend Steve. So Steve and Mark, we had a, a DJ company in university called Stark Entertainment <laughs> because oh, it was fun. our name, Steve and Mark. <laughs> uh, and so he, he's a graphic designer. He did my first cover. He designed the logo. And I was like, hey, Steve, can I use Stark Publishing? Uh, Register the business. And and so that's with Stark Reflections because I try to be honest uh, about the realities of, of the situation. So it is geared for writers. And um, and I take turns interviewing Indie authors, traditionally published authors, and, and even non-authors, because I think we can learn so much from um, other uh, people like uh, musicians or other creatives, uh, artists as well. Right. i had musicians and uh, cartoonists uh, on my show uh, as well. So, so yeah, that's my attempt to try and, again, like I did with, you know, Haunted Hamilton and books like that, there was a, there was a gap in the market. And I was like, hey, there's right. no one doing this. I want to do this. I want to share this with them so that they have... They can actually make informed decisions rather than guessing uh, how this works or, or, um, you know, uh, so they can make a decision and go, is this particular project something I should license to a publisher or is it something I should do myself? If I do it myself, what are the pros and cons? If I go with a publisher, what are the pros and cons? So that's kind of the approach that I take.
1: Oh, that's very cool. And they can find that on your website, right?
0: Yeah, marklesley.ca pretty much links to all my social medias uh, as well as the uh, the, the podcast. <laughs> all your hats. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so um, before we run out of time, what's next for you in 2021? What do you have coming up? So
0: 20, oh, boy. So I am uh, in the throes of writing Wide for the Win, uh, which is basically uh, – Look for authors on the benefits of publishing wide, not just being exclusive to Kindle, uh, but, you know, and and wide in the grandest sense, not just having your books on all the other platforms, but embracing traditional publishing. Uh, I've got Fear and Longing in Los Angeles coming out in February. I actually have three other book projects that uh, about a month ago I didn't realize were going to happen but I'm working on uh, right now kind of like obsessions where they just came out of the blue and I'm like hey why don't I publish that Um, so yeah I've got a a few other projects and probably by the time February hits they'll they'll have changed because one thing I learned is to embrace the change and and kind of roll with the changes that come
1: that's right you have to be flexible exactly So really quick before we run out of time, how do you like readers to get in touch with you through your website, Facebook? Where can they find you?
0: You know, go to marklesley.ca. There's a form there, but they can also reach out to me on, on the different social media like Twitter or whatever if they're interested. Okay.
1: Well, thanks so much for being here. It was great having you on.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Lisa. I really appreciate it.
1: And everyone, go grab Obsessions, the anthology. It's on sale for 99 cents right now. So take care, everybody, and Happy New Year.
0: Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.